Thank you for downloading this sponsored podcast presented by PR Week. For more podcasts, visit us online at prweek.com. Hi, everyone. This is Gideon Fiddles. I'm Magic Editor of PR Week. It is my pleasure to welcome you to this very special session, Reshaping the Future. It is sponsored by GNS Business Communications and, of course, much gratitude to them for doing so. Earlier this year, GNS unveiled its Reshaping the Future report. It is a great compilation of data and insights about the factors that are driving businesses and brands forward. Coupled with unique perspectives, its goal is to help communicators and their brands build a better future, even in this rolling reality. Rolling reality is GNS's term, not mine, but I like it, so I'm stealing it. And if you don't want me to do that, you're going to have to copyright it. But please don't, because I like it. Our session today is the third of five we are doing throughout this year. They all focus on reshaping the future, but each one will concentrate on a specific sector and will feature a top comms leader from a prominent brand in that space, as well as a leader from GNS with particular expertise in that space. Our first session focused on financial service for services. Our second one focused on agribusiness. The sectors we will focus on in future sessions include home and building and advanced manufacturing. And I certainly want to note that you can check out these podcasts, both the ones that have already occurred, as well as the ones that are going to be occurring in the future on audio platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. In addition, I know a lot of people listen to these podcasts directly on PRWeek.com, so you can easily go to the podcast page on our website to check those out as well. Today, we're talking about healthcare. We'll look at the unique comms challenges and opportunities presented by COVID-19. We'll talk about healthcare inequality. We'll dig into the agency-client relationships in this space and much, much more. Of course, the key to any great discussion is a great leader with whom to have that conversation. Well, I've outdone myself in that regard today, as I have two such professionals joining me. Catherine Beiser, VP of Global Comms at Eli Lilly and Company, and Anne Green, Principal and Managing Partner at GNS Business Communications. Kathy and Anne, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. I have been looking forward to this conversation for quite a while, so let's just get right to it. And I guess when we're talking about healthcare, COVID-19 is probably the place to start. So you can't have a conversation in healthcare without talking about it. The healthcare sector, always one that has been closely watched, is clearly very top of everyone's radar right now. And that is likely to stay the case for a long time. Certain brands have created widely used vaccines. That is another factor that has placed the entire sector center stage. But there are so many other companies that are doing so much to this end. So what are the unique challenges and opportunities this increased perhaps you could even say unprecedented attention to the healthcare space posed to communicators in the sector. And Kathy, it's my pleasure to let have you tackle that one first. Well, thank you. It's a great question because as you noted, we have absolutely been on the radar screen, um, you know, and it's not always been a positive, um, you know, if you look at our sector because, you know, health is such a, just a basic human right. And so when you're adding commerce to that, it can get a little complicated, Right. But, you know, I think what the pandemic did for our sector was to start to balance the conversation. We had that greater appreciation of all of the different players in the health ecosystem, you know? So we had people, you know, it's not just the providers, it's not just public health. It was absolutely also a private, uh, you know, private sector biopharmaceutical industry. So all of a sudden people got a window into wait a minute, what does this take and why this is so complicated and just started to understand and get the, that vocabulary. So I think that was a, a big thing. I think it started to balance it. I think the key for us in this sector is to figure out how to keep the balance going, right? Because there's a lot to solve with healthcare, 
but it is an ecosystem and it's not just one part of it that needs to get solved. So we need to continue that dialogue. But, you know, as I see this attention, I see this focus, um, a lot of things did change for the, those of us in comms during this time. And, and one of those, I think, was the relationship with media. Hmm. We were going through something together. And that was, you know, they weren't reporting on us so much as they were staring at the face of the, COVID, of the virus, right, in their face. And so we're all going through this incredible, incredible experience and there's fear and there's everything else. So there was a level of partnership and education and just like, it was exciting. We, the, the brainstorming we did and how do we simplify and when we got a great patient story, how we could tell that. We, we found just so much receptivity to that that I felt like that benefited the public because we were coming together to say, we have a public health crisis to solve. We have educational needs. We got to get people in to get treatment. We got to get them tested. So many things that we had to do. So I think the media relationship changed a, a, a great deal. And I think we learned a lot that we've got to be so simple. I mean, it is an incredibly complex thing. How many times, how many times did we rename this virus? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and we finally, you know, SARS-CoV-2 and then you've got COVID-19, which is the actual you know, disease. And you get people are just like, what is this thing? Mm-hmm. So the sooner we could simplify and how we could do that. I mean, we had to start applying some of the principles that I think other sectors use. But like we even, dare I say, we used a little humor once um, when we introduced um, our um, emergency use authorized uh, neutralizing antibody. Let's just say it's a very complicated name to say. (laughs) Emil and Colbert had a field day with it, right? (laughs) And we actually put up a card on our Instagram with a phonetic spelling of it. And it basically said, you know, science is hard and so is the name of our new neutralizing antibody. We're here to help with both. I mean, it was one of the most highly, you know, like people just loved it. They, they interacted with it. And then you're like, Oh, okay, I get it. You know, I get how to say that. So I think there was a lot that we, that we had to change. And then I would say, lastly, I think health is going to be part of every communicator's sort of um, messaging or conversation, no matter what it is, you know, from climate change to culture, we're going to be talking about the health impact because people are just so much more sensitized to this than ever before. Um, Yeah. Kathy, that's terrific. And, you know, there's so much that you said that I could follow up on. But the way I'm going to go with this is you spoke about an ecosystem. And it's part of that ecosystem. So it's my turn to turn it over to Anne to follow up on that. So Anne, the floor is yours. So much great stuff, Kathy. Um, I love hearing your perspective on that. And that's a wonderful way to use social media. I think, you know, to demystify and let people have fun with it and engage and and um, make it more accessible. But uh yeah, in terms of lessons learned, I absolutely agree with you on the media about the importance of the ecosystem of healthcare, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that more in a minute. I think the other lessons learned is, um, from my purview, it really amplified some of the larger challenges we have in society around trust and belief. So issues like confirmation bias, politicization, mm-hmm. partisanship, even beyond COVID. I mean, I, I think it amplified the fact that this is, as communicators, probably our single, big, single biggest challenge. You know, how do we overcome that? And the trust issue is real because some of the things that we're trying to achieve, such as higher vaccination levels or um, listening to science and experts, trusting entities like Eli Lilly and the other companies that have been working so hard to 
take us to the next stage of this thing to get to a better place on a global level. You know, some of the systemic failures that have um, eroded trust over time are coming back to haunt us. And that, that also includes things like medical experimentation or systemic racism or inequities or, you know, the way that our political structure has evolved and the way our dialogue has evolved. So, you know, it kind of shone a white hot spotlight on so much more than just the pandemic or the evolution of healthcare itself. And I think what you just said at the end there, Kathy, that the centering of healthcare in all of its dimensions, I think is gonna persist because those dots have been connected. And, and my hope is, you know, what I'm talking about right now is, is a bit depressing and dire, but at the same time, if we don't, to use medical terms, if we don't diagnose what's happening, if we can't see the systems around us, and if we can't see the situation that we're in and the layers and the dots that are connected, we can't do anything about them. So that's where I'm so excited about where the healthcare sector is taking us and where we may go in the future from here. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with that, Anne. I'd really agree with that. That's a really, really good segue to actually the next thing I want to talk about as well. Because, but if I may just comment on a couple of things that both of you said, you know, one of the greatest challenges that you have, though, is, Kathy, you made an incredible point about coming up with a name for this, for, for what eventually became COVID-19. But unfortunately, there are certain people who I will not name who actually gave the disease some really silly names that caught on with way too many people. And that probably posed quite a challenge to you as well. And I'm obviously... That's, that, that's, that's the sole political reference I'm going to make during this conversation, but I think everyone knows what I'm talking about, and uh, I'll leave it at that. But, you know, one of the biggest problems that needs to be solved in the healthcare sector, and frankly, society, is healthcare inequality. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the pandemic has cast a spotlight on the continuing disparity in healthcare availability between demographics. This was evident in the numbers of infected. It's also evident in the distribution of vaccines in the willingness and understanding and confidence to take the vaccine. Mm -hmm. I know this is a matter that both of you and your organizations take very seriously. I would like to devote this part of the podcast to discussing what the healthcare industry is doing and can do to bring about greater healthcare equity in this country. For example, in areas such as positive interventions in preventative care and chronic care management, as well as work being done at a population health level and um, trying to, yeah, Kathy started, so I'm going to go with Anne first. Anne, if you could, t- if you could tackle that first. Yeah, it's a big question. Um, there's a couple of things that make me excited at this moment. Um, I remember working about 10 or 15 years ago just around um, the trying to prove the fact that you know, health inequities even existed and that, that they were real and that it wasn't um, being lost in the data. It wasn't just necessarily doctors ordering extra procedures. I mean, there's, there's a whole universe of what I'm talking about here relative to healthcare policy history. But um, cut to today, I think now we, a couple of things that make me excited. We have more attention now to systemic issues. And that's true of our entire society. I mean, last year, dual, triple pandemic um, in mm. terms of fight for social and racial justice issues. So we're kind of moving out of a willful blindness. Not everybody, but many uh, are starting to look at something and say, wait a second, we see this. Like, for example, the idea that in our society, Black Americans or Hispanic Americans are predisposed to hypertension. Like, how do we unpack that and understand why is that the case? It's not like it just happens. They're predisposed to it. Like, we're passive and it's just victims of it all. Like, getting into that more. I'm really excited about the momentum around areas of prevention, chronic care management, as you said, population view, different care settings, 
everybody is getting involved in that. Managed care and payers, providers, um, you know, folks like you, Kathy, and your organization, the government, private sector. And, and I do think there's more creativity right now in getting beyond the traditional walls of healthcare providers. It's not just like if it leaves a hospital, it's over for me. You know, looking at things like food pharmacies or services like um, the wonderful nonprofit Health Leads that would provide prescriptions for I don't have electricity, so I can't keep my diabetes medicine cold. You know, mm. these types of things are super creative. So, one of the things we did find in the research we did at GNS, the Reshaping the Future research, was obviously a huge surge in telehealth. Just like in financial services, the pandemic finally put contactless payments over the edge. Like, we're all using them now. You know, tap your credit card. Telehealth got a giant boost, and the research we found, people are going to continue using it. So if that creates more access those are some of the things that are exciting me. But Kathy, you know, I'd love to hear where you're coming from. And this, these are big questions, obviously. Oh, they're huge. I mean, when you get into the whole uh, concept of the social determinants of health, right? Where your zip code is a bigger determinant of how healthy and how long you're going to live more than any other factor, including your genetics. I mean, that's just it blows your mind when you start thinking about that. Mm. But I, um, listen, I, I know the industry is absolutely focused on that. Lily's focused on that. We do that both sort of systemically within the operations of our organization, as well as through our strategic investments that we do through our social impact team, through the foundation, through other things. So there's just so many examples on this, but I think one of the areas that I think where we have to start is health literacy. It is one of the most important things. You know, we make assumptions of what people know and what they want or even have access to. So um, we're making a big push, I'll just say, and, and this is, I think, something that's very consistent with the industry, but our clinical trials have got to be more diverse. And we actually set that as a goal, as, as something for all of our clinical trials for any of the therapies we were exploring to treat COVID-19. So that was really imperative. But you have to even back it up before then. You have to have people who are running these trials who are diverse too, because you have to have leadership in those roles because they bring something to the table that can help then ensure that the, that whole sort of rollout, if you will, of the clinical trial to the recruitment, you know, the design of it. So through the pandemic, we couldn't have people coming into the hospital all of the time to get monitored. So, and that happened for a lot of things. So I think it, it's not just within, you know, the medicines to treat um, this particular virus, but it, it's for other things too. So if we can make participation easier, um, that will really go a long way towards making sure, hey, you know what, there, this trial was diverse and here's how. And there were people like you who benefited from this. So you have that aspect of it. But even just how you design things, we do things far more easy to, you know, the language and, and the use of pictures, people look at and understand things differently, right? So we have to not make any assumptions on any of that. I don't even understand some of this stuff when I read it, right? It's so complex and there's so many disclaimers and this and that. So we have to make this, that, this simple. I think one of the other things, we have to just acknowledge we have a bad history on, on clinical trials and certain populations, especially black Americans. And that still remains to this day. We know it's out there. So, I mean, we made um, a particular effort on that. Um, you, you know, all the medicines to treat or prevent uh, COVID-19 are authorized under an emergency use 
designation by the FDA. They are not a full approval. So that is also part of the reticence, right? People are like, well, it hasn't gone through the whole approval process. It's emergency. What do we know? Do I feel safe? So that's a huge educational effort too, right? So we're trying to make sure that we're using people who, you know, look like me when we're trying to reach various populations, you know, type of thing. So like in Indiana, we were big supporters of the Got My Shot um, campaign, just even in Indiana. And we were accessing specific communities and the, you know, we supported things from behind the scenes. It wasn't the big pharmaceutical company. It was like, how can we help to, you know, facilitate that dialogue and that progress? So that was a big thing for us um, in that space. But there's just, there is so much work to be done. There really is. And so I think we need to do it with both, you know, the actions. We need to even make our own companies look like the people we serve, right? Again, you have scientists who are people of color. You, you get it, right? You're like, okay, you know, this just, it seems more familiar. You're building a bridge there. So we need it with our operations, with our investments. Um, we need it with how we are in our communities. Um, and we need it, you know, in how we develop the medicines and get them to people. So it's just, those are the areas I think that we are particularly focused on. Although I know I have a laundry list of, you know, a variety of things and, and that can talk about the various programs and things that we do all over the place. But it is going to take that concerted effort that you pointed out. Um, because it is not a small problem, you know. And, and you know, obviously, in this country, because of the way because of the way people get access to healthcare, as opposed to a lot of other countries in the world, including our neighbor to the north, this is an even more complicated problem because not everyone has access to the same things. Clearly, and um, it's a really interesting point how perhaps the lack of trust that certain demographics have in the healthcare system, built on years and years of not having access to things is really hurting things right now because me personally, part of it with the vaccines, and maybe you, maybe you guys agree with me, but it's that I never once doubted that, you know what, if they put it out and the FDA signed off on it, no matter how they did emergency use, I'm like, I trust it. And I've never not trusted them before. So I'm fine with it. But not everyone thinks that not everyone thinks the way that I do and other people do and just for understandable reasons. So it's a really interesting challenge you guys have on your hands. I mean, you guys are really well equipped to handle it. I know, but yeah, this is an unbelievably important topic and it's going to, you know what, guess what? There's going to be a, something else is going to come down the line. The next, the next God, 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 God willing, not a global pandemic, but something else is going to come along. No, it, the line. There will be, there, there, there are things that are going to happen. You're talking about multi-drug resistant strains of bacteria and things like mm-hmm. that. That frankly scares me much more than COVID-19 to mm. be honest with you, because um, just all, I won't go into that. It's a long story, but, <laughs> but I think what also the pandemic, we realized the unevenness of healthcare around the world and the different and how bureaucracies of various nations actually slowed some of the development, you know, like, like the progress that we wanted to make in getting people either vaccinated or getting, um, you know, some of our treatments into their hands, even to make donations. You know, things just take time because even if you wanted, so we have one drug that helps once you're hospitalized with COVID-19. It was an existing product that we had that we did the research on. It's for more serious cases. We wanted to get that to one country that was having an an incredibly difficult time, right? And just massive. Um, And it wasn't approved for that use in that country. So you're having to jump through so many hoops. And I think one of the things that we need to do as a global community is to figure out how does that pandemic or any other response 
become much more unified and so that we can get these um, life-saving treatments into the hands of people much more quickly because it's not, we could airlift something tomorrow. That's mm. not, but we can't get it in to a country without that kind of approval. So that's one of the things that I know uh, leaders of companies and, and governments are actively looking at right now. So, because it's not a question of if, it, it is a question of when mm-hmm. we're going to be dealing with this. We know this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in Kathy, are already proving that um, my, my wisdom in choosing guests for this podcast, are they not? I think they are. So let's move on to the next question. This is going in a slightly different direction, but very important. And I know something of great interest to everyone out there because most of you out there watching or listening to this either work at an agency or a brand, right? So this is going to be a real interest to you. We have a great in-house leader in Kathy. We have a great agency leader in Ann. So the past year plus has been quite challenging for many PR agencies, obviously. But the one practice area that has actually grown for most of them, if not all of them, is healthcare. And I suspect healthcare is going to be a practice area that will be among the most lucrative for agencies going forward. So I'd really like to spend a portion of this podcast talking about the healthcare brand agency relationship, where it is going. Could, where it is going, where it is right now, and what you guys are learning from each other, because it's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic. And, and I'm actually going to start with you on this one. Okay, great. Yeah, I, I think that um, something Kathy had said earlier, I want to go back to again, because I think it's extraordinarily important, is the incredible, dazzling diversity of what is healthcare today. It touches so many things, you know, and at when my early days when I worked at Burson Marsteller, I, I got to work with some of the pioneers of healthcare PR who had done some of the earliest work in pharma, you know, the, the early work on FDA approvals. And I feel like in those years, there was sort of a sense of healthcare PR was primarily that kind of PR. Um, but the communications landscape now relative to what healthcare is, is so, so, so many things. And it touches on and relates to so many other sectors of work and so many other evolutions. Um, I am a generalist by background, but I have a lot of depth in healthcare, a lot of depth in financial services, a lot of depth in technology. And the older I've gotten in my career, which is about 30 years now, the more these have all come together. And that's super exciting. So I think that from the agency and brand relationship, first of all, there's so many different types of entities to partner with and that need communications assistance that are touching myriad aspects of the health landscape. Um, It could be heavy tech. It could be very much wellness focused. I mean, and everything in between, it could be FDA, everything in between. But I think the other thing that's very exciting too, is that the integration of the approach that you need really all the disciplines at the table. The lines are blurry between what kind of agency does what now. And Kathy is nodding because we're all trying to manage this, but you know, my colleagues at GNS, I, I love to have the digital and creative colleagues at the table, all of us coming together and also with other agencies and other partners and in-house partners, out-of-house partners. You have to have this symbiotic relationship where you're all coming together because every channel matters. Um, The audiences are so diverse. The information flow is so diverse. The challenges are so diverse. Um, and it's a lot of fun too. It's hard, but it's a lot of fun as well. So, you know, those are the things I would say, the multidimensional aspect and the really integrated aspect where all the disciplines and the minds need to come together to solve some of the most important problems of the day. Kathy, obviously, and if you check it out on LinkedIn, if you don't believe me, but clearly her career spent a lot of time at agencies in various senior level roles. And now obviously a few of some of the biggest brands in the world that she's leading communications on in different sectors as well, not just healthcare. 
Um, so Kathy, you, more than a lot of people, probably have a very interesting perspective on the agency-client relationship because you've been in the middle of it for both sides. So, Yes, and I suppose sometimes that makes me a particularly challenging client because I was an <laughs> agency person, so I know exactly what I need, when I need it. No, I'm just kidding. But I, I do think sometimes I am pretty directive, and, and, and but I think I, I, I value our agency relationships tremendously. Um, and I think where they are particularly successful is when I have just like sort of a kitchen cabinet of very smart people that I feel like I can, you know, just reach out to, you know, on, on a very um, frequent or infrequent basis. But I think that we're constantly thinking and brainstorming together, trying to peer around those corners. I need people who have been there, who have sat in that hot seat in some respects too. It is often very exciting to me to meet an agency person who had a stint on the corporate side. I mean, when I went to the from the agency side, I was like, okay, I can do this for a few years, and then if nothing else, they'll say I did it, and then I can come back. Well, it turned out I loved being on the corporate side. But what I realized is what my, my corporate clients, they weren't slow. They weren't, like, dense. They weren't all these things that, you know, maybe I might have, you know, said after a particularly frustrating afternoon as an agency person, which wasn't true. But it, it, it's just there's such a different dynamic when you're in-house. There's so many other things that you are engaged in that what you have to be part of. And so getting that dynamic um, set right with the agency and like how you need to, you know, I used to be like, I wrote this fabulous counseling memo and nobody responded. I'm like, I don't have time for a memo. I need your four pithy points, you know, and then we can talk about it and make it happen, right? Um, if we need to go deeper, we will, but I'm just trusting people to, to come to me with, you know, their best thinking on it. So it's really, I mean, we went through quite a lot at Lilly over the last 18 months or so. Um, we've been challenged on multiple levels. And um, I, I really needed partners who could, who had been there, right? Who had counseled on similar types of things. So that was really, that was one thing. I also don't need just healthcare people. I need people who are, you know, have a good understanding of the sector, but I need really good corporate people. I need really great media people. Do you know what I mean? On, on that front. So very important on that level. And then I think lastly, just being really nimble, you know, and, and if I don't respond, get back to me, you know, really get ping, push, whatever. There's so many pressures that we have um, going on and we were moving, we've been moving super, super fast. So um, I will just say that I, I have found the dynamic to be, I want more senior people on, on the business. Um, and then I want some of the people who can just get some of the basics done to help us to supplement what my own team is doing here and there. But I don't need a whole lot of account management more. I need the, give me the insider advice, supplement what my team is thinking, help us change direction if we need to go to a different direction. Challenge us, push us, help us be better. Excellent. I want to close this by actually touching on something that I think both of you actually said. Both of you have experience well beyond healthcare. And obviously just said a lot of tech experience, a lot of financial services experience and healthcare experience. And as I mentioned before, Kathy, in addition to working at agencies, um, led comms for a hotel chain, if I recall correctly. Financial services companies as well, if I recall correctly. See, I do my homework. Um, so here's my question. Is there a lesson, one lesson that each of you has learned about from another sector 
that has actually informed some of the work that you do now, well, in Kathy's case, now that you're in the healthcare sector, and obviously, and in your case, on work that you do with healthcare clients. So, Kathy, I'd like to start with you. Okay, one lesson. Um, <laughs> it's about the consumer. No matter what, and it's, you know, it doesn't matter how complicated your brand is or whatever it is, it still matters because we're all, at the end of the day, a consumer. You know, we still think, we might think like a professional, but we are still a consumer. So I think bringing that piece in um, into everything and, and putting them first, um, I mean, that is the thing that, you know, when I start meetings with my team, um, every Monday, it's a patient story. You know, tell us, bring it back to who, who this, you know, who are these people that are behind our purpose? You know, who, we, we strive to make lives better for millions of people every day. Um, and that's what we've got to make sure we're focused on. And it's not the science. The science is the cool thing that gets us there, right? Um, and the exciting thing, and I get really jazzed when I talk about it, but I have to do it in a way that's accessible. So I think that's one thing I learned from other areas. I mean, you know, in financial services, it's money. Money's like, nobody wants to talk about money. It's the thing, nobody, it's the bad conversation. If you're raised in certain families like mine, we never talked about money. But yeah, you have to you have to have financial literacy, right? The same type of thing. So it gets back, I think, to health literacy. It gets back to um, keeping things super simple, accessible. And oh my God, you know, it's got to be beyond the press release. That is one thing that you know our sector loves because well, we have obligations certainly, but we have to have this dynamic storytelling just like any other, you know, CPG, right? I mean, it's just company. It's the same thing. We've got to be thinking that way. Obviously, within the confines of our sector. Well, well, if it makes you feel any better, my my family doesn't have any conversations about money either, but that's because we don't have any. Um, <laughs> we uh, didn't know it. We didn't know if we did or we didn't growing up. Oh, well, 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 well. I do know, and I don't have any. Uh, and <laughs> what have you learned from other sectors that has really helped you inform some of your work with your healthcare clients? Yeah. All right, well, I love Kathy's. I mean, that, that putting yourself, it's sort of like in the tech space, the, the UX, you know, what's that user experience, but what is that experience of the human being on the other end, even if you're a B2B, B2B to C. Um, I love that. We have to keep that in our heart, especially in healthcare. I think for me, working across sectors, and I love specialty, you know, I love to go deep. I'm a frustrated academic, I think, but um, <laughs> I also love multiple things. So intellectual curiosity, and also just the recognition, it is all interconnected. Like I said, working deep in multiple sectors over time, I've watched them converge and converge and converge. You know, having um, the ability to launch mobile phone brands in the US and understand not just the consumer side of it, but the nuts and bolts of wireless and what it means to be truly have mobile platforms is, is it feeding me so much right now as we see the actual realization of telehealth and EMR is finally developing to a point where I can make appointments online. You know, I've been raving to friends who think I'm insane about some of the platforms that Langone and Wild Cornell have finally stood up with my chart and others because the realization of this stuff, it's finally here, you know, and it's going to get better and better. So I think that if you can have the passion and intellectual curiosity for a lot of different topics, which a lot of professionals in our field have, that's why we got into it, right? You know, you didn't want to just do one thing all the time. And even within the corporate side, I mean, Kathy, there's a universe you're touching every day, even within one company. So I think that knowing that, um, that intellectual curiosity will fuel you and then recognizing it's all interconnected and looking for those connections, 
I think that's what helps you be the kind of counselor that ultimately, Kathy, you're talking about. Like, that's what we seek to be, is that kind of counselor. We, we hope to be both for our ultimate end users and then for each other in this business. You know, I have to say, conversations like this are why I love what I do. Um, it's really, really great to talk about topics like this with two brilliant leaders. And, and I'm surprised you're a frustrated academic because you, you should be a professor. I mean, you would be great. I would take your class if you, if you pay for it. Cause again, I don't have any money <laughs> uh, or maybe go to, maybe go to a state school or something, but anyway, but in all seriousness, look, you know, this is a topic that clearly we could have spent hours on days, weeks, years. I mean, it's healthcare. It's all around us. It means everything to us. And um, I am, you know, I am somewhat buoyed by the knowledge that we have people like Anne and Kathy in the space who are, helping companies do some wonderful things and get those messages out and solving some of the most important problems of our time. So um, that was really, really terrific, guys. I really, really appreciate the both of you, Kathy and Ann, for taking the time um, from your, what I know are very, very busy schedules to speak with me today. And of course, thanks to GNS for making this event possible with its support. And thanks to all of you out there for joining, whether you're watching or listening or both. I really do appreciate that as well. Now, we're actually going to be taking a bit of a hiatus for the summer in terms of these podcasts, but we'll be back in September for the next installment in the GNS PR Week Reshaping the Future series. The sector we're going to focus on next time will be home and building. But until then, this is Gideon Phils, I'm Managing Editor of PR Week. I guess I should say I hope you all have a wonderful summer, um, great 4th of July and all that. And um, of course, I also wish you to have a great rest of your day. And again, thank you so much for tuning in. 